Ruin My Childhood. Thank you for listening to Ruin My Childhood, the podcast where you decide if some things are better left in the past. I'm Mike. And I'm Kat. And what are we going to be talking about today, Kat? Star Wars Episode One, A.K.A. Say the whole title. Come on. I don't know the whole title. <laughs> the Phantom Menace. Oh, whatever. Come on. The Skywalker Saga is coming to a close with Episode Nine. So we figured we'd go back and watch the movie that came out in theaters when we were kids. So this came out in 1999. So mm-hmm. we were about 11 years old. What do you remember about this movie? Or I guess the better question would be, what do you remember about this time as this movie was coming out? Oh, it was a simpler time. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, this was back when you didn't have as many blockbusters in theaters. Uh, you had a few big films every year that came out on Christmas and Thanksgiving. And then you had your summer blockbuster. And that was kind of this era, and this film was so anticipated. I think it was actually before we realized how uh, impossible to please Star Wars fans are. Well, the thing that's crazy about this particular movie was obviously this is pre-YouTube days, so the only way you could see a a trailer was going to the movies. Mm -hmm. So this, I remember I had friends whose parents took them to the movies specifically to see a trailer, and then they walked out of the movie. The pod race one? Uh, I don't remember, you know, the specific trailers, but definitely there were trailers. The first trailer, I had friends who went to the movies just to see the trailer and then did not watch the film. I think I remember them actually showing the pod race scene somewhere before, and I'm not really sure why that is, or if there was just an extended trailer that had the pod race scene. I remember that that specific scene was kind of how I was introduced to the film and how a lot of audiences were introduced to it. And I'm not really sure why or where. Well, there's a <laughs> lot of marketing for this film. So they had, there was, I, I vaguely remember this crossover thing, which they're the same company, but like Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut all had some sort of promotion for this where you can get like images and stuff for it by buying food there. So the boxes had images and you would like pull things off the cups and there was things on there. Uh, and this also had some huge video games around it, too. The um, the Podrace video game on Nintendo 64 was an, an iconic game. So this was a big, big deal. Uh, and then you had Darth Maul. Like, everybody wanted to see that double, double-ended lightsaber. Yeah, it was really at a time when you could introduce a character, and that character already has fans before the movie even premieres. Absolutely. People were excited about that. And I remember most people were disappointed in that character, ultimately, how he was handled. I do remember that Anakin was exceptionally annoying. Yeah, Jake Lloyd from uh, Jingle All the Way. Was he in he's, Jingle All the Way? Yeah, he's the kid in that movie. I don't know. He, he's kind of like one of those child actors that just shows up, lands on his mark, says a line, no, whines a line, moves to another mark, and does the same thing over and over. Yeah, he wasn't very good. And it's, it's actually sad because... He, the, that kid resigned from acting pretty much right away. Resigned? Said, or resi- retired. retired from acting like <laughs> right away. He said this movie basically ruined his life. Like people have been mean to him ever since. And he's oh, just a kid. Oh no, you're so sad with it, all your big bank accounts. It is kind of sad though. Like he can't go anywhere without being recognized and hated. Like people, it's not his fault. I don't fault. think they recognize him no, now. No, people do. Like okay. he talks about it. Well, but. okay, Star Wars fans are just bitter old jerks for one but also he was a terrible actor it's best that he just made his money and got out as fast as possible this was a win for that kid uh so what's crazy is i remember this was like seeing on the news people camped out to see this movie for days in advance 
And people liked this movie initially when it came out, but very quickly, by the time the next one came out, people hated this film. So there was a lot of love. I think people wanted to like it initially, but very quickly realized how bad it was. Yeah. Okay, so let's get to some of our listener comments. Uh, you want to take this first one? Uh, Jesus Rodriguez didn't really send a comment. He sent a gif of the pod race scene. <laughs> Doing a barrel roll. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> uh, Nikki Britton said, Darth Maul was underrated AF. I needed more. I needed a Darth Maul origin story. Oh, that might have been a good movie. Yeah, that would have been interesting. And they've tried to do more with him in like the cartoons and stuff since. Like he has like robot legs now. So animalistic in so many ways, though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he's supposed to be from like a warlike tribe or something like that. I don't I don't know a ton about his backstory. I mean, either way, he's very high maintenance. He's like those goth kids. He must spend (laughs) hours on that makeup. I think those are supposed to be tattoos. They're supposed to be tattoos. Yeah, I think it's a tattoo. Ooh, who does his pigment? His shaman. All right, well, what's what do you think? Should we just go watch this film? Yeah, let's get it over with. On a remote desert planet, two Jedi Knights meet a young boy Hi. and forever change the fate of a galaxy. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Now playing at a theater near you. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Okay, so we just watched Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and I'm not going to say it was good, but I actually thought it was better than I thought it was going to be. I'm just going to say it's bad. Oh, it's not a good movie. It's not, not at all. Don't don't. We're, let's not confuse me saying it was better than I thought by saying it's a good movie. You know, I'm just going to come right out and say it, and you know, I might get hate for this star wars fans are crazy i'll probably get docs for this comment star wars is kind of overrated you're wrong i'm not you wrong. just like not liking things that are That's popular bullshit no no like what do i do that with star wars and anything else yes it's an objectively game of thrones i just haven't seen game of thrones i don't have time rick and morty it's just weird and gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're fun. That's the thing. They're fun. It's great if you're super into fantasy, if you like seeing these worlds come to life. But, but I, I, I feel like the best actors can be made terrible in a Star Wars film. Well, you got to go with the best actors can be give a bad performance with a bad director. And George Lucas is objectively not a good director so in the first three films he directed a new hope the first movie uh and then the second two movies were not directed by him they were written by him but even that first movie there's well, a documentary called how didn't the Edit- spielberg have to save it uh, so spielberg brian de palma and um uh, coppola those three and then his his wife who was a producer went and re-edited the film to make it make more sense <laughs> and then the second and third movie he had other people like Lawrence Kasdan wrote the script and directed so he does best when people tell him he does his best when people tell him no and this version or these three movies he had no filter he did everything the way he wanted to do it the same thing with the special editions um, that came out in the 90s he went through and edited all these movies and changed these films for whatever reason so 
he's not the best director and i i don't blame the actors in the in these situations because this was also one of the first films that was filmed like entirely on green screen yeah so i mean i get that there's a huge learning curve when you are not experienced working green screen and that can be really difficult for a lot of actors but it, it's the director's job to flesh that out for them and to create this world for them and make sure that they're supported in their performances. And these actors, I mean, they're so talented and they all just turned out performances that you can tell were micromanaged. Yeah, I'd say the person who came out best in this, and we should summarize this film eventually, but um, the person who came out best, I, I think, was Ewan McGregor Yeah, in this. And he was doing a very good job at kind of mimicking Al- Alec Guinness who played Obi-Wan in the original movies. Mm-hmm. I think he did a really great job. He wasn't Plus, playing Obi-Wan. He was he's also a-, a huge fan. Well, they all were. So Liam Neeson signed onto this movie without reading the script because he really wanted to be in it. Oh, Kira uh, Knightley <laughs> plays basically uh, Natalie Portman's double yeah. in this film. She, her parents didn't want her to do it, but she was a big Star Wars fan and she went out for it at 12 years old. Same thing, like, not seeing any scripts or anything like these actors just signed on because star wars was a phenomenon mm-hmm. so I, th- I, th- I think star wars and this is probably why you don't like it as much as like let's say me is this was a big family thing and it's kind of a generational thing with the original movies coming out 30 plus years ago it's now moved on to the next generation and you know people are growing up watching what their parents liked with us like watching it in the 90s and with these new trilogies you know younger kids theoretically we could have young kids watching this film you know we don't have kids but i think that maybe you not having a family aspect of this movie could be why you don't have that attachment that i do we all went to the movies together to watch it it just uh... yeah but did you guys watch were you guys big fans of the original trilogy and watch it all the time and have the connection to the original trilogy my parents liked them they saw them when they first came out because they were popular but my parents have taste that's cool this movie (laughs) so these movies change cinema forever i so i i think there's but i think you need to be able to look at them objectively Oh, objectively they're not great so they're fun yeah they're silly they're goofy they're immersive and that is what they have to offer yeah they turn out terrible performances from fabulous actors the plot lines i mean plot holes everywhere but i mean these these the way these plots came about were basically george lucas wanted to make a flash gordon movie but couldn't get the rights so then he basically merged Flash Gordon and like Seven Samurai kind of films, like those that generation. That's where the Jedi came from. So he just, he mashed things together and then basically took the stereotypical like Beowulf type archetype, like that hero. Right. And moved on. So like there isn't anything original about it, but they've always just been like technological marvels. I, I do really enjoy the original trilogy. I enjoy the second and third ones from this trilogy that came out when we were in our teens and 20s but i think objectively this is probably my least favorite of all the star wars films so i'd say it's the weakest it has a boring plot um it it almost saves it with the pod race scene but they're just it just doesn't have a lot to offer so So you want to summarize it yeah i was just gonna say so basically in a nutshell Naboo, which is run by Queen Amidala, played by Natalie Portman. Who's an a, elected queen. An elected queen. Which, has okay, a, why would you call her queen? I don't know. Come on, George Lucas. So they have a blockade set up by the Trade Federation. And basically, Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan are supposed to kind of negotiate opening up trade back to Naboo. It turns out 
Senator Palpatine, which we find out it's officially him later, but Senator Palpatine is actually the Emperor, Darth Sidious. He's actually orchestrating things, trying to basically set up a war so that way he can kick out the current Supreme Chancellor and he can become Supreme Chancellor and basically run the 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 universe. Qui-Gon Jinn's like, something's up. This seems weird. He never quite figures out what's up before dying, but he ends up getting the queen to Tatooine, finds young Anakin. It's like, dude, this kid's pretty dope. He's really good at pod racing. He has a ton of space bacteria, which gives him superpowers. (laughs) Which is just kind of a ridiculous cop-out for Jedi powers. So he ends up saying, hey, I'm going to trade this kid. All the Jedi Masters, Yoda, Mace Windu are like, he's a little old and he's a little, he's a bit of a, Part of my French, but he's a bit of a bitch. He's afraid, and when you're f- afraid, you tend to do stupid things, which leads to the dark side. We're a little concerned he might go to the dark side, so no, we're not going to train him. Um, he goes, deuces, I'm out. I'm going to go help Queen Amidala get her planet back. They set up like a little battle with the droids. Anakin somehow saves the day. Just, I don't. He he magically learns how to fly a st- uh, a star fighter jet. Blows up a base on the inside. Day is saved. Darth Maul kills Qui-Gon Jinn. Obi-Wan cuts him in half and, you know, he gets to cut off his little braid and train train uh, Jake Lloyd to be the best Anakin Skywalker he can be. You know, I, I think what I understand least about this movie is why power is instilled where it is. If these Jedis are this powerful, why are they not running everything? Instead, they're just kind of like hired hands. So and they're they're used as secret weapons. And also, if the Jedi's have this power, then they're I just I don't like that originally it seemed like your Jedi powers were something that you could build on and become more powerful with and and perfect. And then in this it's like, okay, well you've got space germs that give you these powers and some of you have more than others. So, I mean, that's the base level is having more bacteria get, gets you that. But there is a knowledge piece in training and finding different ways to meditate. So there and is also, a level, a version of leveling up. So furthermore, with this whole training aspect, Qui-Gon Jinn has already trained um, his, his apprentice. Obi-Wan. Yes, I know who, who he is. He's already trained his apprentice. He's pretty much ready to go, I guess, theoretically. He's almost ready. To be on his own, which is kind of his argument for taking on Anakin. But he goes there specifically to consult with them about this. And then takes everything that they have to say and throws it out the window and is super defiant. And like, well, I'm going to train him anyway with or without your permission. So suck on that. (laughs) Like, does he lose any privileges by this? Like, why was that his approach? Why did he care to ask Yoda his opinion? Why did he not respect that Yoda, like, low-key was like, oh, this kid's bad news? I mean, he said his future is unclear, but that should be a a pretty good indicator that stuff is going to go sideways. So Qui-Gon, when you go back to, like, the extended stuff and a little bit and the stuff you find out in the books and the video games and whatnot, Qui-Gon is... close to what you would call a gray jedi so you have the light side and the dark side and then there are people who kind of exist in the middle that go you can't have absolutes and both the light side and the dark side are absolutes there has to be some gray gray and some wiggle room and qui-gon kind of operates in the middle a little bit uh and he's he is supposed to be a little bit more impulsive i think there was a line of dialogue in this or maybe it's in another movie 
where they say if Qui-Gon wasn't so impulsive and exactly what he said, he would actually be like on the council. Well, now he's gone and ruined it for everyone. Well, and he, he ends up being more powerful, so he is actually the first person to become a Force ghost. We don't see it, but in Revenge of the Sith, Yoda goes, dude, you're to Obi-Wan. He goes, dude, your boy Qui-Gon, he figured out how to come back as a Force ghost. Like, that's pretty tight. We didn't know we could do that. Yeah. So Qui-Gon's like a super powerful dude. Uh, the thing that I want to bring up is I think the biggest issue with this movie is there's so many things like the pod race. That amounts to nothing. They weren't important. They didn't move the plot forward in any kind of obvious... I mean, in an obvious way, yes. But almost everything in this movie could have been avoided. And there's no real protagonist that moves this story forward. And I think that's the biggest thing. Is when you have a movie, you need to have that driving force, the main person doing that. And if you look at... When you look at all the Star Wars films, they are obviously ensemble films. Even going back to the original trilogy. But it's very obvious that Luke is the main protagonist, the one that's driving the overall plot forward. Mm -hmm. If you look at the newer movies, same thing, ensemble film, but it's Daisy Ridley's character, Ray, who's really driving the plot forward. And if you look at this trilogy as a whole, it's Anakin. But if you look at this particular movie, who would you say is the main character of the film? It's also muddy, and it's hard to tell what the point of this film is. It's also hard to tell... Um, I mean, obviously, I don't have this option, but if I were someone just coming to watch the films for the first time, had not seen anything, and was watching this as the starting point of this story, I would have no idea no, what's going on. You, you wouldn't, and that's that's a big issue with this trilogy in general is, yeah, of course, you want to see Darth Vader, how he became Darth Vader, but what people really wanted to see was Darth Vader already being evil, kicking all kinds of ass. It's Which bad storytelling. I would have been way more interested in seeing a slightly older Anakin, maybe like 12 or 13, who's really more exploring the areas of light and dark within himself Which and making these decisions. And what I, you get in the second Hayden Christensen just was not good right. either. So just to hit on that protagonist thing really quick, like the obvious idea would be Qui-Gon Jinn. But he doesn't succeed in anything he set out to do in this movie. He very early says there's some sort of mystery going on. There's some kind of shadow player. But he never figures it out. He never sees who, who this is. Um, he wants to get Anakin set up for training, but he does not succeed in that. It's like all he senses is the gravity. Right. But he can't really tell which way it goes because he himself is living in that gray area. And I think that would have been, that should have been, fleshed out a little bit more or maybe like we lost that in the edit but i think that would have made this a much more interesting story that we get to see him uh stress the importance of uh this feeling that he has this gut feeling that he has about this kid and then he eventually realizes that he's made a huge mistake and get to see that arc but we don't really and see maybe that he, they di just, he dies before that happens they just and snuff him out right. <laughs> Because that could have been interesting, exactly. He sees something, maybe Anakin does one weird thing at the end of the movie, and Obi-Wan sees it, not Obi-Wan, um, Qui-Gon sees it, and goes, oh, maybe Yoda's right, but dies before he's just able to tell Obi-Wan not to train him. Right. That could have that could have been interesting. And then you, that brings me to Obi-Wan. As much as I like Ewan McGregor in this role, he has no agency in this film. No. He, he doesn't have any motives. He doesn't have any drives. He's just literally doing what Qui-Gon tells him to do the whole movie. He's and, a sidekick. Yeah, and then till the end when he kills Darth Maul and so I mean obviously Anakin's not the main character in this film it's not Natalie Portman there is no driving force everything kind of happens by accident right. including them winning the battle 
um, Jar Jar Binks just accidentally destroys a bunch of tanks by fumbling a grenade into, you know, a port. Mm -hmm. And then Anakin just like asks R2-D2 to turn off the autopilot. And he's just like, let me try to do a barrel roll. And then like barrel rolls into the ship, happens to crash the ship into the hangar safely. And then accidentally shoots a missile at the generator and the generator blows up the whole space station yeah like nothing is done on purpose mm-hmm. and then the the arguably the, you mentioned the pod race great scene super cool scene was it necessary not really not really it didn't really do anything except waste everyone's money the whole pl- point of it was supposed to be if they if um anakin won they get the parts for the ship, and then also he gets to be freed. But the thing is, they mention very early on, being on Tatooine, that this planet is on the Outer Rims, but it is still technically part of the Galaxy Senate or whatever, right? And they mention that slavery is illegal. So the the Jedi have the moral high ground. They could literally have just done whatever they needed to do to get the parts. They have the Queen. They have all these things that are more important than this shop owner who is super sleazy, owns people. They could have stolen the parts and stolen Anakin and his mom right? and had the moral high ground. They leave his mom there to die. Yeah. They, <laughs> they have the moral high ground taking these two people and getting them out from slavery. Yeah. Now, in terms of slavery, now, obviously, I will never know what that's like, but it doesn't seem like they had it that bad because he was able to own a pod racer on his own and build a robot well, or a droid. I kind of, I think that they set that up to show us that despite their situation, he's still intelligent enough to find the things that he needs to right. build these incredible machines, which doesn't really come much into play later in the character's overall arc. It, it come, <laughs> the only thing that comes into play is that he has fast reflexes because of the midichlorians and that he's a good pilot. Right. That's about it. But what, what I'm getting at is it seems more like a dentured servitude versus slavery because they move. They mentioned that they moved there. And then also they're a lot. If, if they were truly slaves, you think um, Watto would just take that pod racer as his own. Yeah. It just uh, this whole world doesn't make a ton of sense. Also, it kind of looks like the whole region is impoverished. It's a lot of working class people and moisture farmers and and slaves and yet somehow all those people are able to come together and generate enough of an economy for a massive sports racing arena. For NASCAR. Hey, well, that makes sense. Basically. Poor people in, in America like NASCAR. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just... Mm. I feel like there isn't anything about this film that when you really sit down and examine it, it still makes sense. I really like the fight at the end with Darth Maul. Yeah, that was that's great. That's an incredible scene. And the music in that scene. So that's the other thing that we got a lot of comments on that I didn't really bring up. But the the Duel of Fates, which is the the song or I guess the the piece at the end of that fight. Mm-hmm. It's so good with the chanting and the how it just starts ramping up. Uh, I like the pacing where they have – it's explained outside of the movie in the script. But when they're going down that hallway where the shields pop up and then they shut off and they just have to keep stopping the battle while they wait. And there's just that – tension of like i'm gonna kill you yeah as soon as the shield ball comes great. down uh it's a great fight and darth maul's 
taken on both of them fairly easily. Right. And, and he's like a panther pacing back and forth like he's going to eat them. Yeah. He's a genuinely terrifying, terrifying. villain. And, and because he's so animalistic and beyond reason almost, like he's he's like been programmed to be this killing machine. Right. He is terrifying. And that's why it's, it is disappointing that Obi-Wan is able to do that little like jump from the vent force the lightsaber to him turn it on and cut him in half Mm -hmm. quicker than he's able to react and we're not saying anything original here but when you go fast forward to the third movie obi-wan is standing on a a slight hill and says (laughs) i have the high ground like don't even do it you dummy and then anakin tries to flippy flip over him and he gets his legs cut off and his arm cut off like (laughs) flippy flip (laughs) yeah it, (laughs) it doesn't really make sense but that fight's great and i it, the, the actor who played darth maul physically was ray park who does a ton of martial arts stuff like this uh, he did the headless horseman but the voice was christopher walken he did this the voice was uh peter serafinowitz Sarah i think that's how you say his name does this guy just have a terrible voice oh he has a terrible voice <laughs> uh he was snake eyes which is a non-speaking gi joe character oh, the poor uh, guy. and then he was toad in the x-men and he has a slight role in that and he has like a cockney accent but oh. uh, he's an amazing martial artist, yeah. an amazing physical actor. He's up there, and I I think with like Doug Jones, it's like the best creature actor. On yeah, the he's block. great. Um, but yeah, he's the character is was set up to be this great villain, and I think they did him better than they did uh, Boba Fett because Boba Fett he was set up in Empire Strikes Back and he looks super cool with his armor, and then he just dies like a little pansy in by a blind han solo in return of the jedi uh, you know i always just had a hard time investing emotionally in uh jango fett and boba fett it, it's just hard when they don't have a face most of the time yeah but those helmets are cool the mandalorian armor is cool it's cool but yeah mandalorian on disney plus is incredible just so you know i love it anyway <laughs> was there anything you liked about this movie besides the pod race Ugh. I mean, that fight scene uh, towards the end was great. And I, I do feel like the pod race and that big fight scene were the things that uh, saved the film, that made it worth watching. Uh, and I'm still even on the fence over whether or not this film is worth watching. It's not a good film. It's not. But those scenes were so well done and they just threw so much money at them right? that they had to be good. So the thing about this movie that's insane is going back and watching this, I expected the green screen and the special effects to be terrible. And there are parts where it's not great, like the massive battle between the Gungans and the battle robots or yeah. the battle droids. It's like it needs a bit more rendering. Right. It looks like a Windows 98 kind of screensaver <laughs> at certain points. But what I was surprised at is, you know, for this whole movie being on green screen, it looked really good, and in fact, um, they they only built sets physically as tall as the actors. So after they cast uh, Liam Neeson, they actually had to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars to extend the sets because he's, <laughs> he's six, six foot, foot four. four. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's massive. Um, so they had to go and do that, which I thought was impressive. But overall, I thought the special effects were really good. The the space battle I thought looked really good. The the planets themselves looked really good. Most of the, the, the CGI characters didn't look great. Jar Jar looked okay. Jabba the Hutt did not look good. Oh, Jar Jar. Um, Can we talk about Jar Jar? Let's talk about Jar Jar. I understand why he is such a hated character. He is very annoying. He was the first fully like CG character in a movie, though. That was like a main character. It, it, mm. 
he's so irritating and at the same time like borderline racist a lot of, there's a lot of like racist stuff in this movie like, the lot. trade federation is very obviously asian okay yeah why are most of the villains eastern in some way like they sound eastern european or asian and i'm i don't really understand why why does anakin have a different accent than his mom What's going on here? Like well, it just doesn't th- make that sense. That can almost make sense because they mo- they mentioned that the mom they like they'd only been on Tatooine for like three or four years or something like that. So Anakin as a child is like Tatooine has a very diverse culture, lots of aliens, lots of humans. You know, he grew up with speaking with a bunch of different people, so it kind of makes sense that his dialect would be a little different than his mom's. I I, I can buy that. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it's hmm. the the accents are troubling and it's just so distracting anytime you're watching a scene and these creatures are making sounds that the shapes of their mouths cannot make. I do not understand why they made the choices that they did with the masks, why they made the choices that they did with the accents, why they made any of those choices with any of the things that are not human i guess are jedis human really or are they jedi no they're human so jedi jedi is like a borderline like religion kind of thing sort of yeah humans with space bacteria but jedis aren't all human because you look at yoda and then there are a few of the other aliens in that that are we ever going to find out what yoda is no so that's the thing that's interesting about this whole baby yoda thing with the mandalorian is if you look at there used to be books and comic books and everything and everything was canon and then when Disney bought it, they're like, the only things that are canon are the movies, Clone Wars, that cartoon, and then um, Star Wars Rebels. And then everything else is not. It's so weird that they're going to die on that hill with Clone Wars. No, well, the Clone Wars cartoon. Yeah. Was, it was a good cartoon. Like, people really liked it. And it took place during these this trilogy, so it kind of made sense to work out. There's only been, like, three of these Yoda creatures in all of that. So there was one in an old video game, like Knights of the Old Republic. And then you see the other one in this movie. You see her in the, her name is Yaddle. She's in the council. So there's like two Yoda-like creatures. And that that old one from the video game doesn't count anymore. So now we have baby Yoda. So there's technically three in the known universe. And we don't know anything about them, like what their race is called or anything like that. So maybe with Mandalorian, we'll find out a little bit more about Yodas. Yeah. Yeah, the creatures bug me. I had a really hard time watching the scenes where you just see their stupid little mouths are are straight slits that open and flap shut, and yet they're making O sounds. It, it doesn't make any sense. Well, you can't get mad at that one because people like puppets and stuff like that. Like, it's still is better to have a puppet like that than to have like a CG creature that doesn't look good. I would much rather have a puppet that's mouth just kind of flaps to the words versus a really bad CG creature. I think <laughs> that when you couple it with the accents, just kind of feels like bad kung fu dubbing. Yeah. And or that's like a why Toho film. Yeah, it's distracting. It's completely distracting. Even I mean, and of course Natalie Portman was very young when she did this, but 18. she was already extremely established and she was a pretty big star already at this point. And uh, hmm. she made some interesting vocal choices as well and i think well, she was really trying to differentiate between her personal life and her interactions with anakin when she has her guard down or when she's kind of going incognito in the and then the her formal voice but it just 
it didn't work. And I know part of it is because they digitally altered it as well. But yeah, not strong vocal work from anyone involved in this film. And that's very strange. Um, Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, do you want to just get a few trivia points out of this movie? Sure. So during filming, you and McGregor would always make the lightsaber noises and they'd always <laughs> have to stop <laughs> because you would get carried away. <laughs> uh, the other thing about this movie was that Star Wars, even under Disney, they're very secretive, obviously, for obvious reasons. And they're very, they actually throw their weight around with these movies. So there was a Canadian theater who played this trailer like a week early. They were not allowed to play the movie. Oof. Uh, and that's happened. Disney is still currently doing that. In fact, Quentin Tarantino hates Star Wars films because when Hateful Eight came out a few years ago, that was going up against The Last Jedi. So there were movies that he, theaters that he had contracts with, and Disney basically said, if you don't put Star Wars in X and out of theaters, we're not going to let you have it. So they had to make a choice between playing Star Wars and living up to their contract with Quentin Tarantino for Hateful Eight. So they bumped Hateful Eight out of theaters. So like... They've always thrown Star Wars weight around to kind of bully theaters into submission. Yeah. So that was one thing I thought it was It is kind of satisfying to see Quentin Tarantino pissed off, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> he sort of deserves it. Other than that, yeah, those are the big ones that I had. Um, there are a couple fan theories about this movie that have come into place lately. So in the, um, the pod race scene, there's a point where the Tusken Raiders are, like, shooting at them. And... Anakin gets shot at like twice during this race. So there's a theory that because time travel is now canon in Star Wars because of the finale of Star Wars Rebels. Every time you say canon, I just want to punch a white teenage boy in the face. Well, that's a weird, weird way to feel about about (laughs) this because it it literally is what it's called. But time travel does exist in the Star Wars universe now. So a lot of people think that the Tusken Raiders are time travelers from the future because Anakin killed like hundreds of Tusken Raiders in like the second movie. So a lot of people think that they use time travel to come back and try to kill young Anakin like Terminator style. (laughs) (laughs) And the other theory that's come up recently is they think that Rey is actually the mom, Anakin's mom and went back in time. And was impregnated by like Senator Palpatine um, through the Force because oh. they mentioned that she it's an immaculate conception kind of thing. George Lucas loves to do weird things. Well, with this women. wouldn't be George Lucas at this point. This is now Disney. Um, but some people think that Daisy Ridley's character Ray is actually Anakin's mom out of time. I don't think that's the case, but interesting. That is a theory that's out there now. <sighs> yeah, I mean. Ugh. I think I would honestly enjoy Star Wars a lot more if the fans weren't such petulant little turds about everything. They really are. And it just kind of sucks the joy out of it because you watch this movie and you're like, this is what people are so crazed over. Like, they're silly. But they're crazed they're over fun. the original films, not this. And right. that's the thing. They're they're immersive and they do have really great things to offer. But when you start taking them as seriously as Star Wars fans do, it just sucks all the joy out of them. And, and, and I do agree with you on that. Like, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I go and see all these movies. I played most of the video games. Uh, I dressed up as Luke Skywalker for Halloween three years in a row. Uh, I I was a huge, huge Star Wars fan. I love Star Wars. But you do have to go into these movies with certain expectations. If you're okay with 
if you like the creatures, you like the fantasy, you like the otherworldliness, and you can get past the terrible acting. You just need to go the in weird writing. You just need to go in wanting to have fun, just like the Marvel movies. The Marvel movies are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but they're fun. And as a comic book fan and a Spider Man fan, if I went in and wanted to nitpick everything, it'd be really easy to do that. Right. But that's not what that's not what I'm going to. I'm going because I want to see my favorite character on the screen. Mm-hmm. And I have to realize this is a different medium and it's not the same as the comic book and it's not going to be the same as the trilogy that came out in the 70s and the 80s. So that I do agree with you. People get really nitpicky specifically around like The Force Awakens. People loved that movie when it came out. Right. And then shortly after people were like, oh, it was too similar to the <laughs> Fort, you know, A New Hope. So then with The Last Jedi, which you haven't seen, they they do some they make some really big swings some of them are misses some of them i liked but people are like it's too different like you're right you can't please everyone So what is it they want <laughs> they want the mandalorian like that's universally loved mm-hmm. um and that new video game with cameron monaghan people apparently really really like that like nobody's really bashing that game so at least the story-wise so that you can't Except for when cameron freaked out about them getting rid of his red hair with the mod <laughs> yeah well you know gingers don't have souls <laughs> come on <laughs> you could take that to the bank, Cameron Monaghan. Yes. Yeah, he, he definitely got paid for that. Uh, so I think I know where you stand on the film, but we, we should have the conversation. I honestly was pleasantly surprised by the film. I went in expecting to hate this. because when... I went in expecting to enjoy it. See, I went in expecting to hate it. So I remember loving it the first time I saw it. And then very quickly, by the time I got into high school and started working at the movie theater and seeing a lot more films, because... As a kid, I didn't see a lot of movies in the theater. We didn't really, we'd go see maybe one or two a year. But by the time I got to the movie theater working there, I would see a lot more and I realized this was not a good movie. Yeah. So I don't think I've watched this movie since probably 2006. When, wow. Yeah, 2006 when um, Revenge of the Sith came out. I went and watched the other two again. I watched them a lot with my godson. I watched, so I watched the attack of the clones which i think is the worst one and revenge of the sith a lot more than i watched this one and that's largely because i think natalie portman was way hotter in those movies and i was really into <laughs> natalie portman when i was in like high school i went in thinking this was going to be god awful and it's not good but i actually enjoyed a little bit of a little bits of this film like the parts we talked about actually I did, we didn't really talk about the beginning of the movie i actually really enjoyed when qui-gon and obi-wan were kind of infiltrating you mm-hmm. know they 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 tried to gas them in that room so they go through the ventilation shaft and i think what this this whole trilogy did better than the original trilogy was showing that jedis are badasses mm-hmm. so they may you know they go through and they do their little flippy flips as they're jumping through the vents and then they drop down they fight you know dozens of droids and they make it look easy there's points where you know there's only one droid left where they kind of weren't paying attention and then obi-wan just kind of turns and like force pushes them away like with no effort whatsoever and I, I think this movie, you do get a sense that the Jedi are these really powerful priest warriors that you don't really see with Alec Guinness in the first two Star Wars films. And then even with Luke in Return of the Jedi, yeah, he takes on a bunch of people, but I don't think he was as cool as Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan at the beginning of this film. Well, and I think part of that... Um, was actually something that I did enjoy about the film. I liked their uh, rapport, their dynamic, their chumminess, and how in sync they were with each other. That was very entertaining to watch those characters be that way. I agree. When before, with the original trilogy, so much of what we saw from a Jedi was just very stoic almost. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was just all seriousness. And like this shows that, you know, there is fun in being a Jedi. And that I think is part of Qui-Gon because he's in that, you know, morally gray area. You get a sense of why they do it. Yeah, I agree. Which I enjoyed. So I, I do like that aspect. So I pleasantly was surprised. Like I'd say I enjoy this more than I remember enjoying it as a at least a teenager. <laughs> and I went in kind of excited to watch it and then hated it. <laughs> so there we go. We're kind of split on this one. We don't come up split that often. Yeah, but, but uh, we were both wrong, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree. We both went in and got different things about it. Like I actually have more of an appreciation for this film now. Yeah. And I'm sure that anyone who's listening to this is probably a Star Wars fan and they just to hate everything that I had to say, which is totally but fine. But I'm sure there are a lot of people <laughs> who agree with everything you said. Maybe. I, I honestly don't. We There's not a single thing that we said on this podcast tonight that was original. Right. Everything has been said about this. But see, I can even take my favorite films and say, objectively, this is a steaming turd of a picture, and I love it. And we've, we've done that several times on this show. Like, we know objectively it's a bad, but it's a warm. there's a warm place in our heart. Yeah, this just kind of completely ruined this movie I, I for me. I <laughs> actually really enjoyed it, and now I think I was not planning on going through and watching all the Star Wars films before the episode nine rise of skywalker i don't think i'll get through all of them but i think i might finish off the prequels and then i'll watch i don't think i'll get to the original trilogy before but i'm definitely going to go through and watch all the star wars movies over the next couple months yeah i think i i do want to watch the rest of them i think this film can officially be be just buried for me <laughs> I, I can watch like the first 15 minutes and then like the last 45 half, maybe half hour yeah half hour and uh that's all i really need from this film so uh, we did this this film because obviously Star Wars is coming out, but it's December. We definitely should do a Christmas film. What are, you, what are we going to be doing for our Christmas special this year? It's a Wonderful Life. Classic. Depressing. Depressingly it's classic. Perfect. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you guys for listening to Ruin My Childhood. Check out our other great podcast, Remake Rewind. Uh, you can check out everything that's MDX Pods related at mdxpods.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at mdxpods. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can check us out at patreon.com slash mdxpods. And uh, check out Katrina's YouTube at Katrinaocity on YouTube. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.